bringing you all the latest Nottoway County High School and Bearcat sports each week. 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45. Starring Aaron Sorensen and John Dykstra on the Maryville Forum Sports Podcast. Coming to you from the campus of Northwest Missouri State University. Welcome back to another edition of the Maryville Forum Sports Podcast. I'm Aaron Sorensen here with John Dykstra. We're going to start it off today with some Bearcat football. Big win for Northwest, a 62-17 victory over Northeastern State. John, what do we see from that game? Uh, We just saw a lot of big plays and uh, a little glimpse at the consistency that Coach Rich Wright's been talking about needing to develop on the offensive side. Obviously, anytime you put up 62 points, no matter who the opponent is, it's it's a good day for the offensive side of the football so uh the Bearcats went on the road and they did what they're supposed to do against the worst team in the MIAA they handled them thoroughly throughout the game it was 38 to 3 at halftime they uh they just really uh they really pounded uh Northeastern State really just showed that they what we expect out of what I think is the best team in the MIAA um so just a really really good game for the Bearcats overall yeah it was a good game and especially when you got to make that long road trip against a team like you said which is the worst in the MIAA just to kind of still keep a mentality that there's work to be done and especially prepping um you know for next week a Fort Hayes game you know you kind of want to go in there and use it almost as a as a practice kind of and kind of stay in that groove and be consistent like you said one thing that I wanted to mention though it's not a huge statistic it's something that to me kind of grabbed my eye was uh, the Parker Sampson 50-yard field goal Um, as a Bearcat fan that's pretty good to see because you have confidence going into the end of your season that you've got a guy if you need to punch it in for the field goal you've got a guy who can do that for you yeah that was a great sign for the Bearcats so much of it is so much is of kicking his confidence in the mental game as as we've heard Rich talk about before and we've heard Parker talk about before I think yeah to be able to knock that one through he also had a a shorter one a 32 yard field goal um that he made so just knowing that you can hit those and um seeing that confidence that that should be huge for them who Parker's been a little up and down but um he's definitely starting to show how good he can be kicking the ball and as only a sophomore, that's exciting. And Josh Caldwell, even though, you know, like we've said, it's playing a team that is not – playing a team that frankly finds itself at the bottom of the MIAA. Josh Caldwell had himself a pretty big game. He had uh, 96 yards. Talking about confidence and stuff, building that up, is that good? Even though Josh has been been great this season for the Bearcats, to kind of get that – spread the ball around and get that confidence going into these last this last week here. Oh, that's definitely great. Um I think there might be a little bit of the perception that maybe Josh isn't hasn't had the season that I'm sure he's always hoping for better, that maybe fans hope that he would have just because of all the accolades that he came in with. But this is a running back by committee type thing, and he is that power guy. So you're not going to see those those big yards per carry average like you might with Isaiah Strayhorn because he can bust a 70-yard run, and then that, that just helps everything. So um, just having Josh fill that role, um, he definitely got going. He got the most carries of anybody in this game. He had 13 carries and averaged over 7 yards a carry. So that's just good to, like we said with Barker, build his confidence too. Um, everybody's confidence in him that he's a guy you can give the ball to 
knew and um, had success with, but everybody ran the ball well in this game. Isaiah Strayhorn had over 11 yards a carry. Braden Knight had over 10 yards a carry. Brody McMahon had 41 yards. Raymond Thomas had 34 yards, including a big, a big run there at one point. Just everybody, everybody had a good game. Kira Brown had seven carries, which has to be near a career high for him. And I also saw that uh, he got awarded a scholarship after the game. So that's an exciting thing for him, a guy who who we see a lot late in these games, obviously is a, is a favor of his teammates. Josh Caldwell was actually the one who uh, who tweeted out congratulations to him for getting that scholarship. So um, a good day running the football, and then uh, the passing game obviously succeeded pretty well as well. And, you know, obviously the defense showed up as, as we expected them to against the Riverhawks. Uh, three first quarter points for them, um, and then zero in, in the second quarter. It looks like here Anthony Lane and Matt Connolly both had five tackles apiece, which I believe is a team high for them. So definitely kind of just seems like a good day and a lot of confidence building, as we've said, for this entire team. Yeah, we've, talk, we've heard Matt Webb talk a lot about the spoof hounds late in the game, getting some different guys in the game. And that's what that's what the Bearcats were able to do in this one. Uh, you see a lot of names on the uh, on the stat sheet that maybe aren't quite as familiar, just because um, they were able to rotate rotate quite a few guys in and get get a little look at some of those younger guys who. Um, if injuries come, obviously they'll play big roles this year, but if not, um, have big roles set up for their future too. So uh, just good to go down to Tahlequah and take care of business like that and um, and set yourself up for what is sure to be a big week this week with Fort Hayes coming to town. Yeah, Fort Hayes, that's next Saturday. That's actually senior day. Kickoff's at 1.30 p.m. Now, John, I'm sure most Bearcat fans remember if they were at the game. Kind of a tough game and a tough environment to be in. A lot of Fort Hayes fans showed up to that game, um, and they ended up taking the win last year. What kind of mentality do you think, if anything, really changes with these Bearcats going into that game? Well, I would think uh, we wouldn't see as many Fort Hayes fans here, certainly if they win, they're they're right back in the share of first place in the MIAA with with Northwest. So um, that will impossibly pit state if they win this week too. I don't know if Fort Hayes fans have the same confidence in their team that they did last year. Last year they rolled in undefeated, a uh, top ten team in the country. Uh, we talked about before NFL guys like Nathan Shepard on that team. Um, they were definitely confident, and for good reason. They they ended up winning that game and um, and taking the MIAA going into this week. I think Bearcat fans are a lot more confident in their team. Um, we've gotten by that hiccup with uh, with uh, Central Oklahoma, and now just look to be rolling into this this week with uh, with a chance to really have a statement win over over Fort Hayes State, and that's that's something the Bearcats kind of need because they're fourth in the regional rankings right now, and they would really like to move up in that I'm sure before the uh before the playoffs get here so uh taking care of business against Fort Hayes is is a good way to maybe show even more to the national perspective that we are uh we're well past that uh, Central Oklahoma game. For his game, there's going to be a lot of focus on just the game, but kind of a cool day to honor some of these seniors that have been quite a staple in this program for a very long time. Um, so it definitely, um, I expect to see quite a few fans. I'm sure they're excited to have the Bearcats just back home no matter what, but especially um, with Fort Hayes and it being senior day, I expect there'll be uh, quite a sea of green there at the game. 
for sure. And um, and speaking of honoring seniors, we honored some the other day at volleyball I, with a very good straight sets win. Um, Aaron, you were at that game. What what you see from uh, what you see from the Bearcat volleyball team the other day? Um, I thought it was a, a very good win for them. They were on senior night. They played Southwest Baptist and kind of talking about the football team playing the worst team in the MIAA. SBU is, is 0-16, but at the same time as we've talked about with football, it's important to get in there um, and, and have the mentality as we're pushing into the last week of the season and continue to make a statement. And I know they're, the, the volleyball team is looking ahead at the MIAA um, tournament coming up, and right now they're kind of sitting tied at that third or fourth spot. So talking about just kind of making sure they get wins and continue to move up yeah they uh they it's going to be exciting last week here with uh those four teams all within a game of each other at the top of the standings looking from the outside in you might you might not think northwest has as as good of a chance they're the only team there that's not ranked in i believe the top 15 but um seemingly haven't been getting the respect from those polls all year and they keep winning so um Hopefully that changes in the future, but with with a couple huge games on the schedule for this week, we'll see if uh, they can climb even higher in those standings. Yeah, and I'm sure they're looking to. And, and speaking of volleyball here in Senior Day, that actually brings me to my Athlete of the Week this week, and that's senior Sophia Schleppenbach. And her name has been out there, you've seen her, but maybe not the flashy type of player that we see in, in like a Maddie Bruder or a Hallie Sidney. She's a middle. Just She's been very consistent at being big at the net, getting three, four, five kills here and there, and just kind of making her presence known. Against SBU, she had a team-high 11 kills and a team-best four block. One of hers was actually a solo block, and, you know, she got the whole entire thing. And from then on out, SBU was not really going to hit her way. They were going to work to try to work around her. So just a just a good weekend for her. And um, those other three seniors, Maddie Bruder, Olivia Nowakowski, um, and Megan Stilmock, all had a good weekend. And they've definitely been a part of this program change that's kind of turned this volleyball program in a different direction than what it had been going. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, and we should mention too that they had the straight set sweep over Missouri Southern uh, on Friday, the day before too. So uh, just 6-0 and this weekend at home is a great way to uh, to kind of ramp up for this this big week coming up. What are you hoping to see as we get some tougher teams coming up this week and obviously road trips to see those tougher teams but what are you hoping to see coming out of this week for them yeah I mean it's going to be a a big week for the entire MIAA and you talked about these top five teams Northwest is the only team that hasn't been nationally ranked out of these top five and UCM's kind of made a name for themselves even more they were 15 ranked and they beat uh, Northwest and then they just swept Washburn actually yesterday so Northwest is kind of in that spot where it's time to really gas pedal to the floor and just finish off this this season strong and this this week they've got another hefty kind of road trip to finish off this season they're going to go to Fort Hayes that's on Friday at 6 p.m. that's a game that it's it's extremely important no matter what because honestly if the Bearcats want to seal that that game that first round game at home they need to win both of these games but then Saturday is the one that I think a lot of fans are looking forward to they get another shot at Carney and if if you were at the game or if you remember Carney came to town um, several weeks ago actually ended up winning in five. The Bearcats went up two sets to nothing, um, and Carney came back and won. Carney previously had been ranked one in the nation. 
They're wanting the conference right now. It's kind of that elusive match that the Bearcats have kind of had in the back of their minds this whole entire season. So I look for a strong performance for them, and they need to have a big first set and come out really well, really focused. We've seen them come out a little dry a couple times, like against UCO, and ended up going five sets. So the big key is for them to come out first set, make a statement, as we talked about with football, and, and honestly just quiet the crowd and stay focused. Yeah, Carney's that one team that they haven't been able to uh, to beat yet. Like, like you said, they went five sets with them earlier this year, but um, they beat in Washburn, they beat in UCM, they beat in all those other teams. It's just try to get over that that UNK bump here. So going into that is obviously huge. You mentioned Fort Hayes on Friday. Well, that on that day, UCO and Washburn play, so that could come out if that goes. If that goes UCO's way, then all of a sudden that Kearney-Northwest game is a game for first place, a game for either Kearney to make sure that they, they take first place by themselves if they win, or <laughs> you could see a four-way tie atop the MIAA if if UCO wins and then Northwest wins on Saturday. So definitely definitely a couple days to keep your eye on that, that scoreboard and on Twitter to see how those teams are doing and um, – if if you're not making the drive to Carney or Hayes anyway. So, um, yeah, just an exciting week to kind of wrap up the season as we gear up for that uh, that MIAA tournament coming up, which hopefully we can see some more of these top matches in, in that tournament. Yeah, and, and we've talked about week after week these kind of top four teams that are just kind of just heavy hitters and the possibility of UCO taking a win against Washburn which is very possible and as well as Northwest taking a win over Kearney and then you see a four-way tie and it comes down to to set wins and that is just (laughs) that is how this conference has gone just because there's so much talent and um, it is notable to say Nebraska Kearney has those two losses and those two losses both come from Washburn so nobody besides Washburn has beat UNK so as John said it's going to be an exciting week for the entire MIAA here um, on Friday and Saturday there's going to be a, a lot of tension and, and fans being excited and nervous I think. I will say if it comes down to set wins though we we talk about the the fifth set a little bit and um, we've said before how uh, you would like to have gotten a couple wins in that fifth set, but if it comes down to set wins, winning two two games in a set is going to be huge. I know you talked about earlier. If it comes to a tie with UCM, then uh, then we have the advantage because uh, we took a set from them and they they got swept by us when we won. So just having those, I know we went five last time with Carney. That'll be that'll be big. Um, there's there's just a lot of opportunities for maybe Northwest to break some of those ties and if it ends up if it ends up like that see see how high they can climb in those uh those standings yeah it's crazy and not to get too much into the numbers but one more thing that's quite notable with UCM beating Washburn it was actually a sweep against Washburn and Northwest also swept Washburn so Washburn's only two losses come with a sweep so that does not help them if they go into that four-way tie um, and talking to a couple of the girls last night, uh, the Northwest girls, obviously they're focused on getting a win against Fort Hayes and Kearney, but they mentioned how nice it would be to sweep Kearney. So if it does come down to that four-way tie, they've got more leverage to move up higher. Yeah, that's certainly, um, you're never going to complain about a sweep, but you're never going to complain about just beating the top 10 team in the country as well. And that's what Northwest has a shot to do. And they have a good shot to do it, I think. Even going on the road 
Um, we saw how dominant they can look for for the first two sets against Carney last time. If they're able to uh, to come out like that again and jump up to an early lead and then be able to finish it, it would just be just be huge. Obviously, as as I said before, getting ready for this MIAA tournament besides just the regular season standings, because to get to get that national tournament recognition, you're you're gonna have to do well in the MIAA tournament as well. Yeah, and there is so much excitement coming and leading up to that MIAA tournament in this last week of regular play. And honestly, you could get lost in these numbers right now because everything is just up in the air. First place is not guaranteed right now to anybody, and I think that's very exciting for fans as well as those teams that are find themselves um, second, third, fourth, even fifth place. But we're going to kind of keep on moving here. We're going to switch gears to another interesting situation you could say and that is uh spoofhound football with uh, their week on last week well spoofhound football got a win and i think it became official on tuesday or wednesday because uh northeast out of kansas city they uh they forfeited they did not want to make the trip to maryville and uh and play the spoofhound so uh that was that was the uh, one versus eight matchup in the uh in the district so maryville advances into uh into the semifinals where or the district semifinals where they will get uh Chillicothe who beat Benton last week so they had a uh, fairly easy win over Chillicothe um at the beginning of the season but Chillicothe has had so much to replace this year they're kind of looking like a different team right now they've got a lot of uh of confidence and after a couple wins over Benton actually so uh, it'll be interesting to see them come in and see if they can put up a a little better fight against the Spoofhounds than what they had when they played in Bearcat Stadium earlier this year. And Matt Webb kind of talked about he just he was he wanted to keep things the same for the Spoofhounds even though they weren't able to play on Friday. Um, obviously, the Spoofhounds look for another win, and and frankly, a lot of Spoofhounds fans are kind of expecting that win obviously on Friday. But um, just for Matt Webb to kind of say that he wants to keep things in the same rhythm whether they have a game or not, um, just to kind of keep that consistency and keep the ball rolling into this postseason. Yeah, honestly, the starters probably weren't going to play much in that game anyway. Um, it would have been nice to uh, maybe get some confidence for some of the guys who are filling in with uh, with the Spoofhounds without a couple of their key offensive players um, going into these next couple weeks. But it is what it is, and uh, Northeast didn't want to play. So now you just move on to Chillicothe and a team that you should be able to handle uh, pretty well as well. So it'll be an exciting week. That game's Friday at the hound pound so uh so we'll go into that and try to set up for uh and try to punch your ticket to a district championship game which will come up uh the following friday obviously and we talked about Bearcat fans wanting to show up for that Fort Hayes game. I think uh, Spoofhound fans are probably don't know what to do with missing a week of football, so they'll probably be ready for that game as well. Let's kind of switch gears and uh, talk a little bit about eight-man football that's been going on in the area. Yeah, the uh, with the no uh, with the no Spoofhound game, I was able to focus a little bit more on our area eight-man teams, which is which is always fun as somebody who went to a high school with eight-man football anyway, so fun to get back out there and see that game. But um, we had, it was a uh, was the end of the road for a couple of our uh, local teams as uh, Northwest Nottaway uh, fell to East Atchison on Friday, 
And then uh, two of our other local teams played each other with uh, South Holt and Ottaway Holt beating Platte Valley on Friday as well. So that moves South Holt and Ottaway Holt up into the uh, up into the next round of districts here, where they'll face uh, second seeded North Andrew in the uh, in the semifinals. And that that's a very even matchup. North Andrews in the past has been one of the best teams in the state consistently, but they had a coaching change a few years ago. Um, they lost their their head coach Jonathan Schoonover, and since then they've been they've been struggling a little bit more than they had in the past. Um, and going into this game, I think it's a game that uh, South Holt and Ottawa Holt definitely feels like they can win as the three seed going in there. And uh, with their high flying passing offense, there's no reason they can't. Drew Quinlan almost had 500 yards this week in in that game, and. He's he's one of the better quarterbacks in eight man football, and they have Reagan Morris and Eric Oppman on the outside too, are are very good receivers. So, should be exciting week. That game's in Rosendale um, on Friday, same time as the Spoof Out game. So if you're if you're feeling the need to to go down there and watch a a very good eight man game, I would highly recommend heading down to North Andrew and checking out the uh, the Spartans and the Cardinals. And then we're going to kind of keep it moving here. I believe your Athlete of the Week this week comes from the soccer field. It does, and it's uh, not a surprising name to to many. Uh, senior Captain Thomas Stefano just had a great week again last week with eight goals in two games uh, to help the Spoof Hounds capture the district title. First times in four years that they won the district title back when Stefano and the other seniors were uh, were freshmen, so... Just a really big, a big week for them. They came out, they beat Lafayette ten to nothing. The game ended at halftime. Um, it was complete, complete dominance, obviously by that score. And then they came out against Savannah on a rainy, wet, wet day where where the ball was doing some funny things, and they were just able to uh, lock down and really get that win. It took them a little while to get get rolling, but once they did, they really put up a. A big score on Savannah with a 5-0 victory. Uh, Jaden Hayes got the first goal. Stefano, like I said, he had three goals in that game, and then Jacob Ferris also had a had a header. So they're rolling into a sectional play with a lot of confidence, and that sectional is going to be a fun one. They get uh, they get St. Pius X, who um, they are a traditional power, and they knocked uh, Maryville out of the playoffs last year, actually, in the district final. But now they were in different districts this year, so both teams won their district. Maryville has a win over St. Pius already this year, a 4-2 to win. But they will match up on Tuesday at 4 p.m. at Bearcat Pitch. So Maryville gets to host it at 4 o'clock on Tuesday, like I said. So that'll be a very exciting game um, with kind of sports winding down a little bit right now as we get into that break before the fall or between the fall and the winter seasons. Um, this is kind of the only early early week game that's out there. So hopefully a lot of people are able to make it out to Bearcat Pitch to watch uh, – to watch that big game as as we're down to we're down to playoff time and that's always exciting no matter what sport is yeah and that is very exciting for Spoofound soccer as you mentioned and all those other teams obviously that are making their postseason run but also we've got some cross country state cross country on Saturday a lot of uh, uh, area athletes as well as three Spoofounds making it um, through districts yeah um, it was 
it was a good day for the Spoof Hounds. I think they they had a little higher expectations. They were hoping they could get that full boys team in there, and they just missed out. Pembroke Hill um, edged them out there for that second uh, automatic team qualifier spot. But uh, they they did get the three qualifiers, two from the boys' side, one for the girls. On the boys' side, Garrett Dumkey, um, he's sophomore, first year out for cross-country. Had a really good performance, finishing third. He had a big kick at the end to pass uh, several kids that are right at the end to finish strong and only lost out to a couple kids from Smithville who have one of the best teams in the state um, and were able to easily win the team title at district. And then Zach Kaiser had a top 10 finish as well. He finished 10th. He also had a nice kick to finish strong and uh, punch his ticket to state. It'll be the first time he goes to state. He's a junior this year that, well, he went to state as a freshman. I'll take that back. He went to state as a freshman, but that was as, as a team. So this is the first time he qualifies individually to uh to go and run at state last year he was injured most of the year or else he likely would have qualified as well last year but uh for zach it'll be a a good experience to get out there and run and he and garrett should each do do pretty well at state like like you said next saturday and for the uh for the spoof on girls laura fearbacher goes back for her third straight trip to state she's a junior so she's got goals of going uh, four straight times here in her career. But she qualified by running 15th at the district meet, which uh, got her into that last qualifying spot. So she was able to hold on to that and uh, with a really gutsy run and, and get ready to go back to state where obviously she's experienced with the course and, uh, and a very consistent runner for the Spoof Hound. So it'll be exciting to see how she can finish up there too. And then we've also got some other cross-country kids here looking forward to the upcoming weeks, John. Yeah, they uh, they also qualified two from Platte Valley and two from uh, Northwest Nottoway as well. Uh, the Platte Valley team only runs a girls team, so Ashley Riley and Sydney Billings were each able to qualify. They're both seniors. Um, Ashley Riley is a familiar name, to say the least, for uh, area fans. Last year, she won both the state cross-country title and the state mile and two-mile title once we got into track season. So uh, to say she's an accomplished runner is a little bit of an understatement, but she just dominated the field, a very strong field at the uh, at the district meet and was able to win by over a minute and a half. She uh, dominated, and I would look for her to dominate again this weekend, quite frankly, as long as uh, as long as there's no unforeseen circumstances because she uh, she seems to be running as well as she ever has. She said after the after the meet out here at Donaldson West Side, that was the fastest she's ever run on that course. Just missed breaking the the district record by less than a second and uh that was with a lot of mud and a lot of rain on that course so um on, under optimal conditions i'm sure she would have broken that record so that's just exciting to see her move on something that was expected frankly and uh now we'll see how well she can do uh next week and hopefully win a win a back-to-back state title here and sydney billings will be going to state for the first time she's a senior uh, she finished 10th in that uh, in that race that, like I said, was stacked with so many players or so many runners that have done well in either long distance track events or cross country last year. There were 
there were six runners who had either been top three in in one of those events, whether it was the two mile, the one mile, or cross country. Um, six of them had finished in a top three podium spot at state. So to get tenth in that field was really good for Sydney, and she'll she'll be moving on with Ashley after Ashley was the only Platte Valley runner up there last year. So that's exciting. And for the boys, um, Northwest Nottaway only has only has boys out this year, and they uh, uh, Duke Ingraham was able to finish fifth and go back to state for a second straight year. He's only a sophomore, so he'll be looking to uh, to do even better than he did last year. And uh, he just had a really good run to compete with those guys from Smithville, and or not from Smithville, but for the other top class one runners there he he's just looking really strong going into state as well and Preston Bateman took 10th in that race it's his first year out for cross country and uh as a sophomore he's just running really well too so it's really big for uh Northwest Nottaway with their first year under new head coach Bill Blade to qualify a couple runners for state is always exciting so it'll be a big big weekend on Saturday when uh when all those runners descend on Jeff City for the uh, for the state meet. Yeah, and there's plenty of, of area runners that will definitely get their turn at that. And we've kind of talked about here, Bearcat sports, pretty much these fall sports are in the last week of regular season, and then they'll head in um, to conference and postseason as well as high school. Um, we're really kind of wrapping it up here before winter sports, and a lot of these area athletes and area teams are trying to make a push um, to, to keep rolling. Today we are joined by a special guest, head coach of the men's basketball team here at Northwest, Ben McCollum. Ben, we really appreciate your time being here and kind of answering a few questions for us as the season quickly approaches with games this weekend in St. Joe. So first, I'm going to kick it off to John and let him uh, start this off. So coach, uh, thanks for joining us today. Going into the season, you have a lot of a lot of new faces on the roster. Um, a lot of guys you have to replace from last year, but just how exciting is that actually going into the season to have have some new guys and um, maybe just a different look than you've had in the past here with uh, obviously that terrific senior class last year graduating. I think it's good for for just for our program just to kind of reinvent ourselves a little bit and re-engage, uh, you know, some of our just our, our philosophies and coaching styles. You have to go back to the basics, and we've had to do that. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a good thing and a bad thing all at once. It certainly love to have the squad back from the last four and five years but um, unfortunately they they graduate and, and you start anew and so um, this group has definitely helped helped me as a coach and, and they're certainly a fun group to coach they're going to be a work in progress but I think you're going to see in a couple months how, how much they improve and, and how much they grow you don't have to look back too far to see a similar situation actually uh, here about four years ago you had Almost the exact same situation with probably the best point guard in school history at that point, Deshaun Cooper, and three other starters graduating. So can you kind of look back on that and see um, see some of those uh, building blocks for success with how you guys handled that and immediately bounced back and had a great year back then, obviously, to, uh, to how to uh, kind of gel a young team on the fly here? Yeah, you know, I, I hope so. I, I hope history repeats itself. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't um, – every team's so much different. And, and every time you change personnel like that, 
you just don't know what you're going to get. Some of it's a little bit of luck. Can you win a few games early that you're not supposed to to get yourself in position to have some confidence throughout the year? That group in particular uh, was able to win a lot of very, very close games. And so that's the other piece is, is do we have the, the toughness to get big stops, to, to win close games? And, and um, you know, that remains to be seen. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's, it's far-fetched to think uh, there's a team that couldn't do that. Um, but, again, we've got a long, long ways to go to be able to uh, even consider being as good as that team. It's not – well, it's not far-fetched according to uh, preseason polls apparently too. You're a, you're a high-ranked team. I think uh, one of the MIAA polls had you, had you guys as the preseason pick to win the conference. The other one was second. Uh, national polls have shown you a lot of – a lot of respect too, obviously, with the track record. Um, do you kind of like having those expectations with a with a young team to say, "Hey, look at what we could accomplish"? Or uh, how do you guys handle that with the uh, with the expectations of maybe the outside world? Yeah, we, we try not to. We try not to pay attention too much it, this year. Although those rankings are are picked pretty high, I think a lot of that's just because we've. We've won it for five straight seasons, and so until we don't, I think you naturally just pick us up there. And, you know, similar to the KU works, except for they've won, what, 13, 14. So I think that's probably what you're seeing there. I think the outside expectations from people aren't what the poll says. I think that externally people think we're going to take a step back, and and that's the motivation that, that our kids are going to need to use. Uh, hey, we're, we've got good basketball players, and, and we've been behind some of the starters for the last couple of years. Uh, it's it's our time to, to be able to show what we can do. And so if our guys can play with that chip on their shoulder, I felt like the group that you were talking about four or five years ago, they played with a major chip on their shoulders. They they had they had something to prove. And, and if our kids play with that, I, I think it could be, a fun year. Um, if they don't or can't handle the expectations that, that they have, then you know, it could be a long year. And Coach, obviously, um, Austin Myers headed over to be head coach of the girls team this year. It's a big thing for him, um, and I'm sure you guys will miss having him being a part of the squad. But adding a guy like Zach Schneider now as assistant coach, a guy who's been there, um, been a part of the program in the winning su- success, does that kind of help with these younger guys to instill, like you said, those building blocks of where you guys want this program to continue to go? Yeah, and, and he does an excellent job of understanding what I want, and, and, and it'll certainly help our guys because he can relate to them because he's a little bit younger. Um, yeah, I, I think it helps. I, I think, again, though, just the personnel loss probably outweighs, um, you know, any any personnel gain, essentially. So, um, But he's doing doing an excellent job. He's, he's super organized. He's obviously an extremely hard worker, a lot like he was as a player. And, and then he added some continuity to the program that, that we definitely needed because there's certain things that I don't have to teach him. I don't have to teach him what we're trying to do. He already knows, and, and that's definitely helpful. As far going down that leadership road, too, uh, obviously we replaced a lot with those those four seniors we talked about. Uh, Zave and uh, and Chris were probably more the vocal leaders on that, that team, while Brett and uh, Justin kind of lead by example guys. Are you seeing these uh, – 
the the other guys now that you have coming back kind of step into those roles a little bit I'm sure it's a a process but guys like Joey and uh Ryan Welty and Ryan Hawkins even guys who saw some minutes last year are you seeing them kind of embrace that that leadership role on the team Joey in particular has been more vocal than he was in the past and, and, and really trying to fight to compete and get our kids to to understand what we need what we need done. I, I think that's that's the biggest issue we're fighting right now is is understanding the importance of the fine details in practice of of doing certain things extremely hard and, and it can get frustrating when you're dealing with youth just because they don't know. And, and every little detail, every little thing you have to teach them, and, and then when they don't do it, it becomes even more frustrating, but the habit isn't ingrained yet. And so um, we're trying to develop those habits, and Joey's done a, a very good job of trying to hold people accountable for those habits. Uh, Ryan Hawkins has, has done a phenomenal job as well. You've got, uh, you've got a lot of... A lot of youth on the team overall, but a lot at the point guard spot where obviously we're used to seeing Justin back there. So um, what's the, what have you seen from Trevor's been the program a little while and guys like Diego Bernard and uh, and uh, Xavier Rhodes as well kind of kind of trying to take over some of those lead ball handling responsibilities a bit? What have you, what have you seen from them in the early going? They're, they're trying to figure it out. I think the biggest thing with them is, is understanding that, that they're not Justin Pitts and Justin Pitts is not them. And not not one is not worse or better than the other. It's just they're different people. And the comparisons between those guys and, and Justin just are, are fairly unfair just because Justin's been in our program for five seasons. So uh, they're, they're a work in progress. You know, I think part of it is, is understanding um, Justin's not Justin because he goes out and tries to, to get points or get buckets or whatever it may be or tries to become an All-American. He just naturally wants to win. And, and as long as our guys keep winning at the forefront, I, I think they'll have success. Once it becomes about trying to be like Justin Pitts, they're going to have some issues. Um, but right now we're, we're, we're working on that and working on uh, understanding the, the, the freedom you have with our offense and, and, and how to handle that. Since we talked about the guards, uh, we'll we'll skip down to the big guys there. Uh, Brett, kind of throughout his four years, was a was a bit of an unsung hero. I think people know how know how good he is and everything. But uh, to have to have guys like Chris and uh, and uh, Justin maybe be more of the stat sheet stuffers. Um, just uh, what's what are some of those big guys? I know you've got Tyler, obviously, too, and, and a bunch of guys returning that maybe filled in a little bit for uh, for Brett last year. What are you seeing out of those, uh, the big guys on your roster here in the early going? Well, they're, they're tra- again, same concept. Um, it's just such a different dynamic with them, yeah. and, and it's hard for me as a coach to, you know, in, what, two weeks of practice to get them ready to play Northern State just because, <laughs> We've done it a certain way for so many years, and ran our offense a certain way, and and we ran it through uh, Brett and, and Justin, and it, it was just so fluid and so effortless. Now we have to drastically change how we run it because Tyler's different than Brett, and Dre is different than Brett, and then we've got some more stretch 
fours and fives to where they can shoot. So that's, again, presents a different challenge where it won't be quite as free-flowing to start offensively. It's going to have to be more set. And then as we progress, it'll, it'll, it'll be a little bit more free-flowing like it was. You mentioned uh, Northern State coming up on, on Saturday. Obviously, you got Ferris State after that on Sunday. Um, that's that's quite the gauntlet to start the season. Uh, is that is hard to to uh, to kind of throw these guys in the gauntlet right away and see how see how they perform against obviously a couple of the best teams in the country as well as yourself. Yeah, I'll probably be able to tell you that after we play them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, we, we schedule difficult for a reason. I, I I've always enjoyed playing good teams. I think this year's team have to get ready so quickly that it could be somewhat difficult. But again, I guess you know if you're going to get exposed, you might as well get it done early so that so that then you can make the proper adjustments. Um, you know, I, I think our kids can handle it. I think our kids um, will be ready to compete, ready to fight, and, and, and so on. So uh, we're excited about the opportunity. We're just excited about being in that kind of environment, that kind of tournament. It's just going to be a fun deal. You built uh, quite a legacy with the with the men's basketball program, obviously. But I don't know. You might have more of a legacy with the noon ball program here at uh, here at Northwest. Uh, we had Austin on the other the other day, and uh, I asked him to name. You got a Space Jam situation where the aliens are coming down to play a game. Who are your five noon ball guys that you're taking into battle with you? All time noon ball guys. Anybody who's who's played. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, Austin better pick me. Uh, first he, off. he he did pick you. I don't yeah, want to give away his whole team. He had one surprise at the end. I feel like he had he had four pretty uh, pretty solid gimmies, and then then he had a a surprise that he knew was going to surprise me a bit when he said it. So, uh, uh, he, if you just if, if you just go off a of noon ball, but see the issue is is. Uh, Justin Pitts plays new ball every once in a while. Yeah, I, I accused Austin of cheating a little bit because he because yeah. he took he took Justin. I'll I'll spoil that one for you. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah, you've got. I mean, I've got to take Austin obviously, and then uh, I think you've got to take AP. Well, Zach plays too. Yeah, yeah I take, take Zach as well. I've got to have Zach. You um, you got the four. You got the four obvious ones that he already took. So. So maybe we're gonna have matching teams. This is this yeah. Is um, golly, you could take a. You know, this is where it becomes difficult. You take a role guy like a. Uh, you know, maybe how about an Adam Doyle just to set screen? Okay, I've I've decided that that is the definitive um, all noon ball team because that is the exact same lineup that Austin Meyer told us two weeks ago <laughs> that he would put in there. So that is uh, that is quite a team. Yeah, you got you got Adam doing the dirty work in there. Um, maybe let's go into that a little bit. What makes Adam just the noon ball player that he is, and and uh, what makes him so special out there on that floor? <laughs> I don't know that I'd call him special, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, he'll, he'll set some screens, he'll rebound, he understands his role, he doesn't take dumb shots at dumb times. And, uh, you know, that's an important piece of basketball that uh, most people don't quite understand. So, uh, no, we, uh, all Doyle, yeah, he's, he's quite the, uh, he's quite the new ball player, so, uh, <laughs> I'm glad that they picked him up. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, if you got if you got five Adam Doyles going into battle with you, you're gonna you're gonna either win the game or win the fight, probably. So uh, that's that's the uh, exciting thing. Well, Coach, uh, thanks for thanks for uh, talking to us here on the uh, the Maryville Forum podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it, and wish you good luck as as the season gets going in less than a week here. That'll be great. I appreciate it. Bringing you all the latest Nottaway County High School and Bearcat sports each week. 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45. Starring Aaron Sorensen and John Dykstra on the Maryville Forum Sports Podcast. Coming to you from the campus of Northwest Missouri State University.